As the volume number changes from 40 to 41, welcome from the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association as we merge our numbers to bring you number one for 2021 of Grapevine. Hi, I'm Graham, your presenter, and joining me this week is our newsreader Margaret, who, as usual, also takes a look at a Mercury from days gone by. Our headlines this week are sadly still dominated by Covid, but we also have news about our cranky old Braden Bridge, why diggers are appearing on the seafront, and on a lighter note, why firefighters were digging around in a private car in Caister. Well, news is a bit thin on the ground in this first week of the year. We aim to keep you up to date though, and so Margaret steps up to the mic for the news part one. Hello everybody. I'm Margaret and I'm bringing you the news this week as well as meandering through the Mercury of August 1959. So, good riddance 2020 and welcome 2021. So if you're sitting comfortably, I'll begin. New record high Covid infection rates across Norfolk. More than 1,000 cases have been recorded in Norfolk since the start of 2021, according to new figures. Public Health England's rolling seven-day figures for the region show six of the seven authorities in Norfolk have hit a new record high following the cases in the seven days to January the 2nd. The county also passed the 500 cases per 100,000 mark for the first time as another 4,552 cases were recorded between December the 27th and January the 2nd, another new high. This was up from the 2,543 cases in the seven days to December the 26th. Of the 4,552 new positive cases in the county between December the 27th and January the 2nd, 978 were reported on December the 29th. Entering 2021, 333 cases were recorded on New Year's Day, which rose to 730 on January the 2nd. Great Yarmouth continues to see the greatest rise in cases, now standing at 619.1 cases per 100,000 people. The case rate in the town has almost trebled in a week when the town's infection was 227.5 in the seven days to December the 26th. The town reported 615 cases in the latest weekly period, up from 226 between December the 20th and December the 26th. Broadland has surpassed 500 cases per 100,000 for the first time, following 707 new cases, 139 of which were recorded on January the 2nd. The authorities' infection rate rose to 540.6 from 325.7. 
The figures show Norwich and Breckland also approached the 500 mark for the first time, with Norwich recording an infection rate of 490.8 and Breckland 494.4 cases per 100,000 people. The figures are in line with Norfolk's infection rate, which now stands at 501.5 cases per 100,000 people. The average for England in the seven days to January the 2nd was 606.9. North Norfolk's infection rate increased from 216.5 to 404.4 cases per 100,000. South Norfolk was the only authority to record a decrease compared to the previous day figures as its infection rate fell below 500 cases to 498.3 per 100,000 people. The authority recorded the third highest number of new cases in a week with 702. Kings Lynn and West Norfolk's infection rate increased from 271.5 to 476.9 following 722 new cases in seven days. It comes as the number of COVID-19 patients in hospital passed 30,000 nationally for the first time, 9,000 more than the peak of the first wave in April 2020. Oh, such grim figures and please take care everybody. Almost 230 patients wait over 30 minutes as ambulances queue at hospitals over Norfolk. More than 200 patients waited over 30 minutes before entering hospital after arriving in ambulances last week, new figures reveal. National guidance says patients arriving at an emergency department by ambulance must be handed over to the care of A&E staff within 15 minutes. The majority of the 227 delays were at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Kings Lynn with 125. Of those, 60 patients waited between 30 to 60 minutes and 65 for longer than an hour. A delay does not necessarily mean the patient waited in the ambulance, but staff were not available to complete the handover. The QEH, along with the James Paget University Hospital in Galston, has seen increases in delays in the last four weeks, in comparison to the same period the year before. The number of delays in four weeks doubled at the JPUH from 182 in 2019-20 to 376 and rose from 339 to 517 at the QEH. An NH spokesman said, NH staff are now caring for record numbers of seriously ill COVID patients requiring hospital treatment, but they are doing so whilst also caring for substantially more emergency patients with other conditions than were in hospital during the first COVID peak in April. The pandemic has required changes to the way the NHS delivers care, with hospitals having to split services into separate COVID and non-COVID zones, so to protect individual patients, some beds and ward bays have to be taken out of use. 
the NNUH reported 48 patients waiting between 30 and 60 minutes and 18 incidents of more than 60 minutes in the latest figures. In comparison with the latest 12 months, the number of delay in the same period fell from 1,331 to 417. Kirsty Pepper, Emergency and Urgent Care Performance and Recovery Operations Director, said work was carried out in the summer to improve its urgent and emergency care pathways. She said, we're very pleased to see that work is starting to pay dividends with ambulance handover delays falling. We have modified processes at the front door, working in collaboration with the Ambulance Trust and redesigned how patients flow through the ED, so there is more capacity in the initial assessment area now, which is clearly having a positive impact. Norfolk Police will be more robust during third lockdown. Police chiefs have insisted officers will be more robust in dealing with breaches of coronavirus restrictions as the country begins another national lockdown. The latest tough restrictions announced by Prime Minister Boris Johnson on Monday night, January the 4th, came into effect on Wednesday with a bid to try and relieve pressure on the NHS amid rising coronavirus figures. Norfolk's temporary assistant chief constable, Julie Wenth, has warned people across Norfolk that police will be more robust in enforcing lockdown restrictions. She said, our stance will now be one of being more robust. We will still turn up and engage with people, but actually where we see blatant breaches of regulations, we will be enforcing that. We've got to a point where people are well aware of the requirements on them, so we will be more robust with that. The stance at the moment is to try and increase visibility. Police will be working with local authorities to identify hotspot areas where there are rising coronavirus cases or where there have been significant breaches in the past. In those hotspot areas, more police would be out on the streets, working to ensure the lockdown was being observed. Miss Wenth said there'd been a steady rise in COVID-related calls to Norfolk Police since the county was put into Tier 4 on Boxing Day, a lot of which had been members of the community seen breaching regulations and others reporting it to us. In terms of people travelling to other parts of the county to exercise, Miss Wenth said the lockdown announcement did not restrict this. However, she said the force's advice was for people to stay more local, so as not to put pressure on other areas of the county and ultimately the NHS. A new, more infectious variant has led to a rapid surge in cases meaning many people will be making sacrifices to protect their loved ones and the wider community. People must stay at home and can only leave for a reasonable excuse, which includes shopping for food, medicines, seeking medical treatment and providing care or help to a vulnerable person. As with all previous public health regulations, we will have powers to find people who break the rules. 
Miss Wentz urged the public to adhere to the rules in order that we can get back to a state of normality as soon as possible. Norfolk's Chief Constable, Simon Bailey, also added his voice to calls for the public to adhere to the rules. Mr Bailey said, The emergence of new, more transmissible strain of coronavirus has seen a rapid rise in positive cases across the country and here in Norfolk. Toilets and beach car park shut as visitors urged to stay away. Winterton has been a draw over the festival period and New Year, with people flocking to the beach to see the seals and enjoy wilderness walks, although numbers have reportedly been down on previous years when there have been chaotic scenes. Following Monday's lockdown announcement, however, the car park and toilets have closed, although government guidance does allow for them to remain open. A post in the car park's Facebook page said, We have made the decision to close the car park and the public toilets until further notice and would ask all visitors to stay away during these unprecedented times. We have the full support of Winterton Parish Council and the closure is in line with other Norfolk coastal car parks. We hope to see you again in better times. The decision has drawn a mixed reaction on social media, with some applauding the closure and others saying it was the wrong decision and that people would still go to the beach. Meanwhile, a spokesman for Great Yarmouth Borough Council said its car parks are still open. A statement said, The council-operated car parks and toilets which are normally open at this time of the year are still open as per the national guidance. The car park at Winterton Beach was closed during the first lockdown in March, reopening on May the 13th. The highwayman at Hermanus, which had started to offer car parking and takeaway refreshments, also posted that it had closed. And the toilets at Hemsby Beach are also closed. Under lockdown three, Car parks and public toilets are among services that can stay open. However, time outside the home should be kept to a minimum. Former long-serving swimming club treasurer dies aged 92. A former treasurer from Great Yarmouth, who volunteered for over 30 years at a swimming club, has died aged 92. Cynthia Blackwell served as the Honorary Treasurer of Great Yama Swimming Club for over three decades, championing the importance of people learning to swim. Born in Melton Mowbray, Leicestershire, she recalled one of her earliest memories being the cancellation of her 11th birthday party as the Second World War broke out. She left school to take up a position as a junior clerk at the Midland Bank replacing men who had been sent to the front. This began an almost 20-year career there, culminating in being part of the relief staff for the East of England. During this time, she would work at a different branch each week. During one of these secondments, she met Great Yarmouth businessman Roy Blackwell. At that time, he was establishing the printing business, which, whilst under different ownership since 1980, still bears his name to this day.
They married at St Paul's Church in Newtown in January 1964. Living by the coast, she believed it was important that her children learnt to swim and enrolled them in Great Yarmouth Swimming Club. The club was short of voluntary staff and given her experience at the bank, she agreed to take on the post of honorary treasurer, a role she continued long after her children left. For 30 years, she became a permanent fixture at the Phoenix Pool pay desk on Fridays, the high school pool on Tuesdays and at Galas on Sunday mornings. She retired from the role in 2009. Twice she was awarded the Dennis Thompson Trophy at the Great Yarmouth Sports Awards in 1993 and 2002 for long service. She was also awarded lifetime membership at the club in 1996. During the early 1980s, she became part of the fundraising efforts to restore the Fisherman's Hospital at the north end of the marketplace in the town. Every Wednesday during the summer, she would sell local memorabilia and allow visitors to write their names on a brick from a stall in the grounds. A highlight of the stall was the books of old Great Yarmouth photos. A mix of donations from townsfolk and from the personal collection of Roy, a keen amateur photographer. There was always a long waiting list for the books and postcard sized reprints, which Roy, who died in 2015, developed in his darkroom at home. Cynthia leaves two children, Stephen and Susan, and two grandchildren, Curtis and Daisy. Well, that really is what you might call a life well lived. £1.2 million scheme to fix A47 Problem Bridge will take three months. Work to permanently repair Great Yarmouth's 90-year-old Haven Bridge is set to start in February and take 13 weeks. The bridge was out of action for months but maintenance and repeated test lifting in November mean it is fully operational. An overhaul of its mechanical and electrical systems should permanently resolve issues which have seen it getting stubbornly stuck and unable to lift for river traffic, with road closures being kept to a minimum to avoid disruption on the busy route. The works are part of a £22 million programme of road maintenance for Norfolk with major schemes getting underway in Great Yarmouth, Downham Market and Stalham. The county received more than any other local authority in the east of England from the Department of Transport for maintenance and repairs to the county's roads, bridges, pavements and cycle paths. At £1.2 million, the upgrades for Haven Bridge, managed by Peel Ports, is the largest scheme to be funded as part of the programme. Martin Wilby, Cabinet Member for Highways and Infrastructure at Norfolk County Council said, despite the added difficulties brought by the pandemic, the highways team has completed an impressive amount of work over the past year. The extra money for Norfolk means we can do more to maintain and improve our highway network to help support sustainable growth. Across the county, the maintenance work will not only repair roads, but help to prevent potholes opening up in the future, a statement said. 
The £22 million funding award is in addition to Norfolk County Council's existing highways capital maintenance budget of £38.6 million for the year 2021. some items that I hope will interest you. Now these are taken from the Great Yarmouth Mercury of August 1959. Good Lord, a long long time ago, it seems that way anyway. And the front page news was the wedding of Miss Anne Pashley and Mr Jack Irons, a fellow student at the Guildhall School of Music. The marriage took place at Barnet Registry Office. Miss Pashley is the daughter of Mr and Mrs R Pashley of the Marine View Hotel. Now I seem to remember that Miss Pashley was an Olympic sprinter, unless my memory is completely gone. <laughs> anyway, the next item comes into the category of I wonder where she is now. The headline said £1 12 ounce Rollsby baby doing well. A baby girl who weighed one pound 12 ounces when she was born at Rollsby on March the 26th is now coming on nicely, says her mother. The seventh child of Mr and Mrs PJ Arnold has four sisters, Lorraine, Sandra, Linda, Marlene and two brothers, Melvin and Colin. Pauline arrived two weeks early, was taken into Great Yarmouth General Hospital and when taken home on July the 1st, she weighed five pounds, 10 ounces. Now from births to deaths. The death was announced of Lord Summerleyton, age 70, in London. The funeral was at Summerleyton Parish Church. He was succeeded by his eldest son, Captain the Honourable Saville William Francis Crossley. New Galston School will have sea views. Rural settings have been a feature of some of the new schools built since the war, but a school now taking shape in Galston will provide panoramic views of the sea as well as the countryside. The extra distinction is to be found at the Bridge Road Secondary Modern School, which is on the site between Lowestoft Road and the railway. Part of the land to the southwest of the new school is earmarked for the new Roman Catholic school. Now I'm certain I'm right in saying this, this became the Cliff Park School and St Edmund's School. Now entertainment now. At the Floral Hall there was a weekly display by the Yarmouth Physical Culture Club. Ted Heath and his band appeared there on August the 26th and every Saturday there was modern dancing. Tickets four shillings, late transport to all parts. At the Royal Aquarium there was Lonnie Donegan, Des O'Connor and Mickey and Griff. Seats six shillings to three and sixpence. Joan Regan was at the Wellington Pier, Ken Dodd at the Britannia Pier and Huey Green with his Double Your Money show at the Regal. And I do believe there used to be two houses every night. The only time they had off was a Sunday. They worked really hard those stars in those days didn't they? And they were good. <laughs> How could you spend your money in August 1959? 
Well, you could buy a 1947 Ford Anglia for £185, a Triumph Roadster 2000 for £310, a 1951 Armstrong Sidley for £300, and a 1958 Ford Anglia with heater for £515. Now, what were you listening to in August 1959? Oh, here go the memories. Listen to these. Paul Anker singing Lonely Boy, The Platters, Smoke Gets In Your Eyes, and Jane Morgan, The Day The Rains Came. Thanks, Margaret. We took the opportunity whilst we listened to the dulcet tones of Jane Morgan to have a quick sip of something to keep your throat oiled for the second part of the news. Work starts on £26 million Seafront Leisure Centre. Work has started on the new Leisure Centre, tipped as crucial 
to the town's economic recovery and the health of its residents. Instead of assembling local dignitaries on Great Yarmouth's Golden Mile, a virtual groundbreaking ceremony was staged to mark the milestone, tagged a very positive way to start 2021. The footage shows a camera swooping over the levelled site and images of the new marina centre that will spring up in its place, as well as messages from Carl Smith and Trevor Wainwright, leaders of the Great Yarmouth Borough Council's main political groups, Alistair Broadbury, Morgan Sindel's Constructions Eastern Counties Area Director, and Brandon Lewis, Great Yarmouth's MP. In a joint statement, the two group leaders said, over the coming months, we, along with the whole community, will be watching with excitement as our centre takes shape, delivering a state-of-the-art landmark facility on our seafront. Mr Broadbury described it as a transformational scheme, and Borough MP Mr Lewis said it was exciting news. The new marina centre, described as a year-round anchor attraction, will include a six-lane, 25-metre pool, with full disabled access and suitable for competitions, a confidence water area and learner pool with movable floor, leisure water with fun play features, two water flumes and a splash pad. The complex will also have a 100 station health and fitness gym with views to the sea, a multi-purpose sports hall, indoor climbing zone for all ages, a cafe with fabulous views to the beach, and community spaces that can be used for a wide range of activities and services. The project is funded by Great Yarmouth Borough Council, plus £2.5 million secured from the government's Getting Building Fund via New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership, £1.6 million from Sport England and £500,000 from pooled business rates. During the development, some 182 weeks of training will be provided to local apprentices. The scheme will also create 10 work experience placements and three mentorships for young people, while four placements will be created for people who are out of work. The new building replaces the old marina centre, which was deemed too large, costly and out of date. Hemsby Pontins, string of concerns raised as new images released. The Highways Authority has raised 38 queries and issued a holding objection to a planned mixed development at the former Pontins Holiday Park site in Hemsby. Norfolk County Council says the scale of the drawing submitted is not acceptable and raises a list of queries about the road layout serving the proposed 188 homes and 91 holiday lodges alongside a leisure centre, pool, spa and shops. It takes issues with tight bends, a lack of traffic calming, a reliance on cul-de-sacs rather than loop roads and parking. Overall, it says the internal road layout is not acceptable, with the design failing to offer another access road in the event of an emergency and, in places, leaving drivers to reverse long distances. A spokesman for the developers said, while the highway's response was detailed, he was happy the issues could be resolved, adding, 
this is a major application and scrutiny is to be expected and quite the right thing. The comments are among a number of consultation responses raising red flags. Natural England has pointed to a lack of dog walking space on an estate likely to be home to 56 pet pooches under a 30% national average. Norfolk Police has also made suggestions about how the layout could be improved. Meanwhile, the Norfolk and Waveney Health and Care Partnership said there was no capacity in the acute or intermediate health services to accommodate the extra residents, possibly as many as 316 people, saying a contribution of £324,599 would be needed to mitigate the impact. Hemsby Parish Council has said it supports the bid as long as a string of conditions are met, including limited occupancy for the holiday lets, the provision of holiday homes and larger play areas. A Norfolk County Council officer also said there were flood risk concerns. Outline planning permission was granted to Northern Trust in February 2020 for a mixed use development of the site five years after it was asked for. It allows for the complete demolition and clearance of the site, construction of an entirely new development of 190 homes, some shops and around five acres for static caravans. The new bid for full planning was submitted by Pine Developments in September 2020. Under the plans, some of the existing chalet blocks will be remodelled to form homes and holiday chalets as well as seeing new lodges springing up on the 22-acre site and a community leisure complex. Pontins shut suddenly in December 2008. It could accommodate 2,440 people at peak capacity. Want to be a nurse but no qualifications? Here's your chance. The race is on to apply for a new NHS Nursing Cadets programme at a Norfolk hospital, as directors admit that soaring interest may mean applications have to close early. The James Paget University Hospital in Galston is launching the scheme in February as a new route into nursing for people who may not have qualified for pre-existing apprenticeships and is funded by the Health Education England. According to the hospital, those with a caring personality or care background who would like to get into nursing but who may not have the minimum maths, English or care qualification level to apply for earlier opportunities should apply. The eight cadet apprentices who will be recruited must undertake a level two healthcare support worker qualification, complete their care certificate in the first 12 weeks of employment and, if they haven't already achieved their maths and English qualifications, take these within their 15-month contract. They will study with West Suffolk College as part of a 12-month programme. A JPH Facebook outlining the opportunity read, As this is an apprenticeship programme, you will be paid an apprenticeship wage. There will be a clear pathway following successful completion of the 15-month healthcare support worker level 2 contract 
onto the two-year Tradee Nursing Associate Programme with the UEA. This will enable individuals to work as registered nursing associates. Roy, a 50-year-old nursing apprentice at the JPH, said his main word of advice to those thinking of applying would be, stop putting it off. <laughs> he said, it was the opportunity I've been waiting for, and I would say to everyone, jump in. It's definitely worthwhile doing. It's given me an opportunity to work and learn at the same time, with all the support I need. Anyone coming into nursing via the apprenticeship route will get so much practical experience, more than any other route would give you. According to the JPH's Director of Nursing, Paul Morris, interest is already booming. The opportunity has reached 62,000 people via Facebook in less than 24 hours. And potential applicants should note that the vacancy will close early if we receive a high volume of applications, he said. Applicants must be 17 or over, but there is no upper age limit. Has Great Yarmouth got Norfolk's most unloved train station? It's been the end of the line for hordes of smiling holidaymakers arriving at the seaside from across the Acre marshes and via a sweeping curve as the platforms approach. But the unlovely station among the first to open in Norfolk is the last to be adopted by a willing band of volunteers who might perhaps brighten its welcoming smile. Greater Anglia says its station adoption scheme attracted 23 new station adopters in 2020, 12 of them in December alone, despite the challenges of lockdown and restrictions on travel. However, Great Yarmouth Vauxhall Station has been overlooked and is now the only one in Norfolk looking for guardians who are prepared to roll up their sleeves and show that they care. Alan Neville, who runs the scheme, said the 1960s built station had always been a bit of a problem, with staff doing their utmost to keep everything on track. It's a little way away from the town centre and from residents, so unfortunately no one has yet come forward, he said. Mr Neville added that it was rewarding work that had led to some fantastic programmes, such as opening a small museum in a redundant station building, growing fruits and herbs in tubs for the community to use, and planting wildflowers to help local bee and butterfly populations. On the plus side, there had been efforts to improve the area at Yarmouth, with a mural going up in 2013, and in November 2018, a revamp of the forecourt worth £710,000 was unveiled. Greater Anglia now has over 250 adopters at over 130 stations across Norfolk, Suffolk, Essex, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire. The borough once had three mainline termini, Yarmouth, Southtown, Beach and Vauxhall, plus Gorston Station and some halts. Although trains may be few and far between now, at one time, there were up to 24 arrivals on a peak summer Saturday. Historian Colin Took said, there's a bit of history to it 
but there's not much more you can say about the station that is there today. It's not got any architectural features. I can live normally now. Man 87 gets second vaccine dose. An 87-year-old man who received his second dose of the coronavirus vaccine has said he will be able to live a normal life again. Malcolm Metcalf from Galston was one of the first people in the region to get the vaccine last month. And having returned to the James Paget University Hospital on Monday, January the 4th, for his follow-up appointment, he is one of the few in the UK to have received their second jab. A recent change in government policy has seen a shift towards giving as many patients as possible their first dose before moving on to second jabs, with the gap between injections increased from 21 days to 12 weeks. Mr Metcalf, who has travelled the world three times and crossed England on his bus pass five years ago, said he was pretty lucky to have received the second injection. It went ever so well, he said. It was all quickly done again and it was so much easier. There weren't many people there. I arrived early. My neighbour brought me there because it was such a rainy day. About a dozen people were there waiting for their second injection. Mr Metcalf now has a card which he keeps in his wallet bearing the fact of his immunity from the virus. The nurses said, you're okay now. I think it takes a few days before I can go out. I can live a sort of normal life again. I can't believe this has all happened in the last month. A keen naturalist, Mr Metcalf said he was looking forward to getting out into the countryside again. One of his first trips would be a forest on land owned by a friend in Borough Castle. He lets me go round there. It's a lovely place. I look forward to going there and I should be able to meet him now. And I look forward to the springtime. I'm an optimist. I always have been. I think this is going to be a lot better for people in April, Mr Metcalf added. Last week, the CCG warned people to wait for their GPs to get in touch before trying to get the vaccine. A reminder came after a number of people arrived at the James Paget University Hospital having read on Facebook that you could turn up and get a vaccine without an appointment. And finally, some nice news. Puppy trapped in car seat rescued by firefighters. A puppy trapped in a car seat was rescued by firefighters. Norfolk Fire and Rescue Service was called to the High Street in Caister at 12.20pm on Wednesday the 6th of January to a report of the unfortunate animal. A single fire engine from Great Yarmouth arrived at the scene eight minutes later and it took the crew less than nine minutes to release the puppy from the car seat. Well, I hope he got rewarded with some lovely doggy biscuits. May I wish you all the best for 2021. It has to get better. Really, it does. Bring on the vaccine. I'm ready. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. And most of all, be kind to yourself.
Well, that's all we have for you for this edition of Grapevine. Recording as copyright 2021 of the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association. The news content is adapted from the publications of Archant Limited and is used with their consent. However, the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association accept responsibility for editorial decisions made for this recording. Unfortunately, Aileen is out of action at present, recovering from an operation, and so we will temporarily be on a three-week rotor of newsreaders. Next week, therefore, will be Desney, and so we look forward to welcoming you once again for more of your local news. In the meantime, from all at Grapevine, stay well and safe, and bye for now.